Welcome back to another episode of On the Break. Josh the Vanilla Gorilla here with J Mac and Kyle Beats. Tonight we have Draymond the Nun Edition. He has joined monkhood, achieved enlightenment in Buddhism. Boys, am I crazy or did this guy just reach the 10th level psychology or Scientology? Because he has not had a tech since the first round. <laughs> this guy is different, right? What's like, what's going on here? Dude, it might be a case of uh, like middle aged Benjamin Button syndrome here. This guy <laughs> looks like he's five years younger than he was last year. Well, it, it kind of just looks like he's playing in the system that was originally designed for him to play in, not trying to shove Kevin Durant in there. That's kind of what it ends up looking like to me. That's exactly that's a, what it is. That's a great point. Um, I was more talking about the fact that he hasn't had a technical sense. Yeah, no, that's first round. <laughs> yeah. He he came out yesterday and said, I got to a point where I was doing more crying than playing. I'm sure it was disgusting to watch. Wow, yeah, I didn't hear that quote. I like that. But I noticed that when I was watching the game yesterday, I was telling my boy, like, I don't know if you heard any of the mic'd up stuff. I don't usually listen to the commentary, but, like, he's, like, showing really good leadership qualities. And Jordan Bell smoked a dunk on a great pass that Draymond made, just missed a wide-open dunk. And Draymond's like, you know, hey, we all missed shots. He missed a shot. I missed a shot. And really showed good leadership qualities and hasn't bitched about calls at all and went and got a triple-double. It's, that's the biggest thing I've noticed is just the less bitching overall, which just seems like the games have been a lot more temperate this year than any other year. And it feels strange to say I kind of like this version of Draymond. I'm good with it. Dude, I... Yes, I, I do too. <laughs> so he's, always been, he's always been the player that you hate that he's on the other team. Or like, right. you know that if he was on your team, you would love him, right? Mm -hmm. Because he's always got everybody's back. He is a great leader, and we got to see that in mic'd up last night. You're exactly right, Kyle. They don't mic him up enough because he says so many bad things. <laughs> but he's a great leader, and everybody loves to play with him. Um, I think what happened here was um, the quote that I was laughing at prior to the game. <laughs> Or prior to this talk was um, he said, my son was shooting and flopping. I said, you got to stop watching the NBA. His, his son <laughs> is two years old. And he was taking shots and falling on the ground. His two-year-old son? Yeah. Practicing like on a little, like a little tyke. On a little tyke and shooting and falling over and then getting up and yelling at his dad, I'm sure. <laughs> awesome. Where's the foul? Where's That's the foul? <laughs> I like it. I think it's it, – it, kind of is a commentary on where this thing is headed if they don't do some serious looking at how this game is played overall i really think the yeah. analytics thing is a dangerous thing if you start really you got to be really careful how you use it dude this warriors team has been crazy like and i'm i'll be the first person to say i've been wrong like 100 i've been so wrong because i picked them to lose to houston last or last um series whenever katie went down i picked portland in this series i picked them in seven games because i still thought this was a good team, but man, this Stephen Curry is averaging 36 points, 36 points in this series. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I mean, to Justin's point earlier, I mean, they're four and without KD and we talked about it last pod about how there's still more talent on the court. Of course, when he's on there is maybe the best player in the world, but I think this makes the decision easier for him next year to move on. Cause they've just dominated the series. And I don't think Nurkic uh, would have made a difference either. Like that's not, getting them out of a 3-0 hole. See, I kind of feel the other way around, though. I think that that makes, makes it more desirable for KD to stay because he's seeing what they can do just without him and how he can complement that because KD, what makes him KD is the fact that he's the, one of the smartest players on the court and knows when to plug himself in. He adapts to pretty much anything, any situation you put him in. But I don't think the other players feel as, like, they don't play as free. They don't feel like... sure with him in the system that I feel like they have to, f they 
want to force him the ball rather than making yeah. the right play all the time. And rightfully so and, most of the time, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to toe the line between saying, because let's, let's not, there's a lot of people out there that will say this team is better without KD. Um, and I think that they're wrong because that's the greatest player in the league right now. One of the two best players in the league right now. You can't right. take him off of a team and then say that team's better without him, right? But sure. you do have to toe the line between that and then also – since KD has gotten to Golden State, the Warriors are thirty and one without him when he's hurt. Since Steph, wow, or really? since KD, yeah, thirty and one. Wow. Since KD has been there without Steph, they're twenty six and twenty six. That's not mm. shocking. I mean, so everybody like, knows on that yeah, team, so though. Yeah, I mean, he's the heartbeat, right? Everybody knows on that team that'll always be Steph's team, no matter what happens. Correct. Yeah, it's just weird because, like, I don't think anybody would ever say, like, if you had, actually, it's, it might be changing now, but. You'd be hard pressed to say if you had one person to start a franchise with, would you take KD or Steph? That's that's hard. Like it's you'd really probably, you pr- I I would think that nine people out of ten, maybe eight out of ten, would take KD, right? Right. But dude, Steph does so much for that team that doesn't show up in the in the stat sheet. And that like he, you have to guard him out to forty feet. You have to be. He just opens up so many things. He's a great passer. He gets yep. a little cute at times and gets turnovers because he's trying to throw it behind the back and everything. But sure. At the end of the day, he has great court vision. He's a great passer. He's really unselfish, and players just love to play with him. Well, and to pair that with someone like Clay, who's equally as good and knows when to – they just facilitate so well. That's the best part about watching this this Golden State team right now is the fact that I feel like I'm watching the 2013, 14, 15 – maybe not so much the 13, but the 14, 15, 16 Golden State before yeah. KD was there. And it was it, fun basketball to watch. It really is. It's more fun basketball to watch, and you're just seeing – more vintage Steph and Clay. Like no matter what lineup Steve Kerr was running last night, either Steph or Clay was on the court for probably I don't have that stat, but probably forty six minutes of the game. There was always at least one of them out there. And yeah. they're really back in their their peak form. Yeah. And I've been really I've been saying this for years now, three years, since I've known you, Kyle, is that I think that Clay is the most underrated player in the league. Um and he's yeah. just he's just really just coming out and just showing out without without KD because he does like to play that where he just kind of like sits back and he'll drill seven or eight threes in a row when you ask him to right yeah, he's the most comfortable player in the league with his role who yeah else, exactly. who else is on that list of underrated like that's I can't think of anybody that's more underrated than him um I think so I would put even from me I would put Dre on that list um because like I and I've made arguments here in that like I think that he's super I before this series I thought that he was super overrated and a lot of it for me was dude and we even broke that down in like our second episode was that he was like 40% more likely to get an assist on a pass that should turn into assist than anybody else in the league or something like that because he was passing to Steph Clay and KD um but at the end of the day like his leadership is his leadership might be max worthy and the fact that he can drop a 100% the fact that he can sit out there and drop a triple double, be the best defender and guard five different positions. I would say that that goes under the radar just because people look at offense more. His defense definitely goes under the radar. Um, I would put, I'll have to think of that list. Um, who else would you say Kyle? So the first person that comes to my mind, and I know it's uh, he's, he's still young, so it's hard to say if he's underrated, but I think he's just going a little under the radar as far as like what I see his potential is, is De'Aaron Fox. Sure. I see the vision, and, man. And I think uh, also staying in the West with guards, I think 
I think Drew Holiday is a little underrated because he's kind of similar to Clay, just not as good of a shooter. Drew Holiday is way high on that list too. Yeah, yeah. he's. I would say that he's more underrated than Draymond. Is Mike Conley a little bit underrated? Mike Conley's a little underrated because he's a really good facilitator. He just doesn't have a lot of good players on his team. Yeah, exactly. I, Part I, of that also came from him being injured for so long too. Yeah, exactly. That's the biggest you, knock on him. You know what's funny about that list is those are all guards in the West, and that just has to do with the fact that you're in a Western Conference with Steph Curry, <laughs> James Harden, Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, and all these other guards that are kind of overshadowing you. True. Yeah. That's yeah. really what it is. But hey, let's let's talk about this series, though. I mean, dude, last night, so at halftime, they were up 13, I think, Portland, 66-53. And I don't know about you, Josh. Me and Justin talked about this a little bit already. I feel like – the exact same thing was going to happen that happened in game two. In game two, I really thought Portland was going to put that away, make it 1-1, and go home. And when I saw the way they crumbled in the second half, I knew that that was going to happen in game three yesterday. I knew it was going to at least be a really close game, and I trusted Golden State when it got to crunch time. It didn't even take but the third quarter, and it was already – it was game. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to happen, but as of right now, Portland has gone back-to-back -back where they've blown 17- and 18-point leads. Right, so you felt like they were going to learn from that mistake, right? They're at and they're at home. It's a must-win game for all intents and purposes. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that was one hundred percent a must-win game. Like this series is, they can't win four in a row against Golden State going back and forth. They can't do it. Exactly. Um. So it was one hundred percent a must must win. I thought that they would just hold it just because you're at home and it's it's hard to blow a lead at home with the crowd, um, especially an eighteen point lead. So that would be my big thing, but. But that's uh, the thing that they've done every game is that they make the halftime adjustments. They come out and just swarm in the third quarter and then just punch them in the face in the fourth until it's over with. It's crazy. Yep. And the Trailblazers are 1-11 and against Golden State in the playoffs since 2015. That's yeah, I think, I think Golden that's State bad. outscored them in the second half 57-26. Well, and not to mention Dame sitting here playing with separated ribs like we already talked about. I mean, that Yeah, that, I mean, that's probably the thing we, we really should talk about. I mean, that and that explains why. I mean, if you guys really watched the game yesterday, especially in the second half, he was deferring and taking like 27-footers and not driving. And I was like, why is he not driving? But that's why he can't take the contact with those ribs. Well, and, and also, so without that, also, then Portland doesn't have anything down low other than, like, Zach Collins, and that's only going to get you yeah, so far. Yeah, like, you can only roll Zach Collins and Cantor for so long. Nurkic would help in that rotation of, of big men because that's a pretty good rotation, but it's not uh, – It's I mean, it maybe gets him a game in the series at but, most. But Draymond's been so good down low that – Dude, he had so many steals yesterday that were just really impressive of him just knowing the game a little bit better than everybody else and seeing things a little ahead. They have the, maybe the best defender in the league. Um, no, I take that back. He's top three defender in the league. Draymond? And then yeah, Draymond. And then Clay is the best shooting guard defender in the league, and they can swap them onto one through four. You can swap Draymond on the one to, one to five. So it's just so versatile. And then they have Iggy, who plays amazing defense too. So yeah. Draymond, CJ – Draymond and CJ – or excuse me, Damian and CJ at all times – have an elite defender on them, and those defenders get to switch and stay fresh. Right. And CJ he, looked pretty good to me yesterday, though. He really did. He did. Yeah. He had a good game yesterday. What did, I don't know what his stat line ended up being. He's been pretty good in the playoffs just in, in general, but is this more so like the Blazers? I mean, I guess you run it back. Is this a Dame, CJ can't get it done in the playoffs issue or a Terry Stotts issue, or is it just – 
you're playing a better, a superior team, and you're that's playing it. Playing a superior team, the talent's just way. I haven't been impressed by Terry Stotts coaching in this series, even though I like him a lot. We've talked about how much we like him on this podcast. I haven't been impressed with his coaching in this series in particular. Uh, but I mean, I'll I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He's down Nurkic, Dame's hurt. I don't know. I, it's still almost inexcusable to blow two leads of that size. So it's it's. I've been disappointed with his defensive coaching. Correct. Game one, he had – he was playing – and I put out a <laughs> Facebook Live on this, but he was playing a drop defense, which, like, drop defenses are designed for players that can't just – that can't pull up and shoot, right? So – and they're also designed – you have to have a long – super long um, guard going over that screen. So, like, it works great for the Bucks. They run drop defense because what they have is the person that's generally guarding that uh, – the ball handler is Chris Middleton, Giannis, um, and those big long guys, right? So what you have is if the guy's a shooter, you go over the top and you put your hands over him. Right. You've got this six foot nine dude with your hands all over him and you can't shoot over that, right? So you have to take a couple steps into the lane or a couple steps in the mid range and take a mid range shot. But if you go too far, you got Brooke Lopez or a shot blocker sitting there waiting for you. Works great for the great for players that can't just pull up on a diamond shoot like that. Or if you have a big guard. Can Steph Curry they do that? Yeah, he could pull up on a diamond <laughs> shoot. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Also, it might have been a little bit better if Chris Middleton was there because then he can reach over and, and block the shot from behind or something right, like that right, or get a hand exactly. in their face from behind. But you've got Dame or CJ who are both undersized. Dame, not so much. CJ is definitely undersized. Uh, coming over that screen and Steph will just pop and drill that. So that was that was horrible. That was like pick out something that is exactly wants, what Steph wants from you. Like that was – Barbecue chicken, as Shaq would say, right? <laughs> Game two, he went into, and this is this is actually what I I called for. I wanted to see a uh, um, trapping defense, and he did that. He did a good job of trapping um, that that uh, pick, high pick and roll. So Steph would come off of it. They'd switch two people on him, and then Draymond would have a free lane at the basket. But I was about to say I the was, Warriors move the ball too well is what happens. Well, yeah, exactly. But I was, I would have made the same move as a coach because I didn't know that Draymond was going to turn into 2015. Exactly. Draymond. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he's going to come down the lane and either hit a floater or make a dime pass. Yeah, exactly. Not <laughs> anymore. Back in the day, yeah, that's different. But right. now, um, so I'm okay with, with that adjustment. I, I feel like that was the correct adjustment, but they didn't make any adjustments in game three to stop that. What I would have done to stop that or to adjust for that, because really you should have probably – you had a chance at winning game one had you not done that, right? You should have probably gone back into Portland with maybe a 1-1 or something. You give up one just based upon uh, them being a scheme that's correct. Sure. Instead of changing to a switching defense, which is what I would have done, I would have put a menu on, uh, on Draymond and I would have moved um, – or excuse me, I would have put Harkless on Draymond and moved Aminu up to Clay, and then switched that that pick and roll and had Harkless guarding Steph on the switch, and then you had somebody rolling with Draymond. Harkless I would have done that. Wrong. Yeah, I would have. Yeah, I would have done that, but I didn't see that from from Stotts. Like he kind of just stuck with that with that uh, trapping defense and let Draymond continue to rack up triple doubles. Right? Exactly, and like so, the, that's him just trying the same thing over and over and expecting a different result, and that's. Not, Truly a bad idea against the Warriors. Yeah. But, and I mean, at the same time, though, he didn't really have the personnel to make some of the adjustments he needed to make. I mean, not having Nurkic. He's is, got some pretty decent wing defenders, though. But not having Nurkic is just a killer for that team, ultimately. That, yeah. That They've is gone really further big. than they should have. Correct. Without yeah. Nurkic. Right. 
That is really big. Um, not having Nurkic is huge. I still think that I would have liked to see that uh, adjustment from him. Maybe we'll see yeah, it in like game that. four, but it's it's going to be too little too late, right? So do you so, think they bring the brooms out and sweep, or do you see Portland at least showing some pride in defending home court? Because I think Vegas has uh, Golden State as a slight favorite in this game. Jeez, yeah, that's that's tough. Um, I It's hard for me to say that somebody – that two players that are as talented as CJ and Dame – would get swept on their home court. It's hard for me to say that. But, man, Golden State is playing the best basketball I've seen since 2015 Golden State, 2016 Golden State. Yeah. Um, they're playing amazing. Um, so, Iggy, Iggy's healthy, 100% healthy. They were afraid that he might have had a issue and they did an MRI on him. He only played 17 minutes this last game. But he's 100% healthy. They're going – they played um, – everybody on their on their roster except for Jacob Evans – Unbelievable. Andrew Bogut got two minutes. That's insane. Have you guys seen anything on where Katie's health's at? Like, I can't – I was trying to research that a little bit before we hopped on here, and I can't really find a lot of information on it other than – I know, heard – Worse uh, than it first appears. I heard on Friday Windhorse said that he's not anywhere close to returning, but he's cleared for on-court play, but he's not close to returning yet. Well, sweeping's the best thing they can do then and get him as much rest. Exactly. You think if he's ready to go for the finals, though – and the Warriors win game four by like 30, ESPN is going to be like, should the Warriors bench KD for the finals? Yeah, jeez. Oh, my God. Sweet Lord. <laughs> it's going to yeah, be some stupid shit like that. I know. <laughs> uh, but they, they are going to need KD to be at least 85 90% in that series, regardless of who comes out of the East. I, I, I really believe that. Because I think – I wouldn't definitely not have thought this at the beginning of the playoffs, but I think the two best – or the two teams in the East right now are better than Portland. So let me ask yeah. you guys this. If we get to the finals, which we think we will, of Milwaukee and Golden State, and KD is still out, I mean, are you concerned at all? I mean, the way they've been playing with this lineup, this old-school Golden State lineup? Are you I, I would be a little concerned if KD's not in there um, against either of these teams out of the East, particularly Milwaukee. Uh, I would still lean slightly towards Golden State just because, I mean, if they, haven't, if they go, you know, 5-0 and without KD, who am I to say they're not going to win four out of seven? But, yeah, I mean, I'd be a little bit more concerned because Milwaukee's got some good depth. I, uh, I pick Milwaukee to win the championship. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's why. I, I would, if smart money's on Golden State, like I, I'll agree, they're not, Milwaukee's not the favorites, right? Right. So, but here's my thing is there's no real question with Milwaukee. No question whatsoever. There's sure. a lot of questions with Golden State. Yeah, you know the there's, nine guys you're rolling out with Milwaukee. Yeah. And you know what you're kind of going to get from each of them. I'd be interested to see it. You said they'd not be the favorite, but if KD was – if it just came out, KD's out for the finals and it was Milwaukee-Golden State, depending on what – if Milwaukee can win this series in five or six, I think Milwaukee may actually be the favorite. I think it'd be pretty close to even money. With yeah, no I – I think I what mean, would be worse for you disagree, State Justin. Then, I mean, my thing is Golden State's lost four games in the playoffs. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't really. I get it. I, and Milwaukee, how many have they lost? Let's see. One. They've lost one. So I mean, it, that's definitely a hell of a matchup. But again, I don't know why we would bet against Golden State until we've been proven otherwise. And if Milwaukee, and we'll wins, also that's see great. what happens with this Milwaukee game tonight because we're, we're recording this Sunday evening, fourth quarter here in the Milwaukee game. Uh, and if, if they win this, the series is over for sure. Yeah. The series may be over anyways, but Raptors Raptors win this one. They got some, they, they get some 
some breathing room. They're definitely going to have to win game four as well, but it's a three-point game, seven minutes left, so it's going to be it's going to be tight. But I really think Milwaukee would be would be favorite um, over Golden State with no KD. I think it's close. Okay, I think it's really it's not, close. It's not it's not going to be a crazy number though. No, it's going to be like plus two, minus two either way. Yep. I think what people aren't talking about and what would be worse for Golden State than KD not coming back is having a seventy percent or a sixty-five percent KD coming back. Because yeah. that's going to stop the ball. They're going to lose a lot that of. That would probably be worse. Yeah, it's like yeah, that would be much worse than having not or not at all. Yeah, exactly. So that would be a lot worse than not KD coming back. But he can't not run. Yeah, I, I'm with you 100 percent on that. This, I don't think there's any reason to risk that if you're Golden State for the time being, though. There's at this point, keep sitting him. Let him oh get yeah, there's, there's no question. You don't play him in this series. You don't play him in this series, even if they lose. They would have to lose game five, four and five, to even consider playing him. Yeah, I wouldn't play him unless you hit seven. And he's um, – it all just depends on his – they were supposed to – I think last Wednesday they said they would reevaluate this Wednesday and see where they're at. Okay. Um, Got it. If I remember correctly. But um, I think that's the biggest threat to Golden State is a ball-stopping Kevin Durant that's not 100% comes back. I like it. I agree, I agree with that 100%. That's a good point. Last question I have for the, on the Warriors Portland series. Hypothetically, Steve Kerr wins a title this year. That's four and five years, and five final appearances in a row. Is he the best coach in the league, or is Pop still? Steve Kerr has made some really good coaching coaching decisions in this series. I mean, peak versus this is the exact same thing we've always talked about with like Kobe versus like James Harden. The whole peak versus peak thing. Take the names right. off it. I'd take Steve Kerr's peak over Pop's peak, but. Because Pop did career. five and seventeen. I Correct. mean, four and five is pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. You also walked into a really great situation, though. Yeah, I mean, they drafted so, all those players. Yeah, yeah, I mean, people love to talk about Phil Jackson being a coaching guru, but I mean, when you coach Shaq and you know Kobe and MJ, MJ it gets pretty easy. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to do the could Pop have done any better in this situation because there's really no way to. Have, I guess you could have won that fifth one, right? But <laughs> yeah, um, I mean. It's just different in different NBA. I was just curious to what what you guys would think. I would say in the moment, he's probably the best coach though. Like currently, I would I would say that Kerr is responsible for revolutionizing the NBA. Yeah, because like, right, you can never really say that about because he's Conley. like I feel like Steph Curry is who Steve Kerr wanted to be but wasn't good enough. For sure, he's like just try this, and Steph's like, oh shit, I'm pretty good at this. But have I mean, you ever listened to him talk to Curry? Like a little always, bit, but not enough. He's always like, "Man, I wish I had your confidence. I wish that I could. I wish that I could go seven for twelve and then be pissed off at myself." Like, you know, like he's yeah. always. You can tell that he wanted to be Steph Curry, and that that's why they get along so well. Is because who else would give the, give Steph from the moment that he stepped on stepped in as coach the green light to Full do brain. whatever the age yeah. you know? from thirty, especially and like now it makes sense. Like you can do that now, but that this wasn't this game wasn't around whenever 2013, 2014 season on the court. Yeah, exactly. Well, and look at like uh, like before he got there. Like remember, I think this was two or three years ago. Whenever his back was hurt for like most of the season. And I mean, yeah. they kept on rolling. The, the ship kept moving with Luke Walton at the helm. Now, I think w Luke Walton's a pretty good coach, but I think he's in a great situation in Sacramento now. I think that'll show a lot. I don't think the Lakers thing was a fair shake for him. Yeah, no, Sa yeah. Sacramento has like I would take them to win more games than L.A. Yeah, next year, even regardless of what happens in the offseason. for De'Aaron De Fox alone. 
just because and, of his development. And Marvin Bagley. And yeah. I mean, you just got Buddy Heald. Like those three, those are three young players that are, you know, those are elite all players. Have, all have all star potential. Yes. Potential elite players. Yep. But yeah, I'm really I, excited to see what Bagley will become. But I just think that Golden State kind of tends to run. I mean, it, it was very telling that he was gone for half the season and it didn't really ma- matter much. Yeah, a lot of that was because that he he had this amazing system in place already. No, and, and, and then, I'm not discrediting him for that, but I just think it's interesting. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. So we'll we'll wrap up uh, Golden State Portland by saying so. Josh had Portland in seven. I had Golden State in seven. That's not either of those are not looking good. Um, Yours are looking better than mine, though. I mean, yeah, I'll get the <laughs> team right, but the games yeah. are off. Justin had Golden State in five, which is you know looking pretty solid. That's a good pick. Probably Justin's be really been been on it pretty lately here um we'll transition over to eastern conference uh, this game's only got about you know four and a half minutes left we'll kind of talk it through as we're wrapping up here milwaukee but, just tied it up yep yep just to and just to remind everyone so josh and justin both have milwaukee and five which they win this game that's looking really good it might be good either way i have toronto and seven which i mean this game really is going to be the uh the deciding factor if that's even a possibility or not yeah not feeling great though, boys. Doesn't look awesome. I feel like Kawhi's limping too. That's kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't look great. That means he's probably going to sit out next season, right? <laughs> God. <laughs> I mean, I've been That's tweeting. Hard. I've been tweeting constantly that he looks pretty healthy. <laughs> yeah, Pop's not in the locker room, so I think he might play at least half the season. Correct. Um, he's just going to change teams again. That's, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> he somehow went over to Toronto and then convinced Nick Nurse. Hey, I, I get rested all the time. Like, will you sit me? Because Nick Nurse was resting him for load management too. The dude's what is he? Twenty six. Yeah. Why is he getting load management? Twenty yeah, seven. <laughs> yeah. Twenty. That that's crazy. Yeah. Dude, this that game is what says a lot about this game too, and speaks volumes about Milwaukee. Is Giannis? I don't have it in front of me. I, I don't know if you can pull it up, Josh. You probably give me the split too. Uh, yeah. But I think Giannis has. I'm just giving you a hard time. I think Giannis has twelve in this game, maybe. And Only twelve they're in their tie. He's been relatively yeah, he, quiet. He has like seventeen or eighteen rebounds, but they're tied, and he only has twelve. So I mean, that's that tells you a lot about how much of a team Milwaukee is. Dude, that bench is dirty. It's bad. It's bad for so Toronto. Oh, good. It's bad for Toronto. They uh, to have Connaughton come in like that guy's like their ninth person off the bench. To have him come in and be able to knock down threes and he's get blocks. Shot. And, yeah. and get out and run because he's he had the highest uh, vert in the combine last year. Pat Connaughton did at like he had like a forty two inch vertical or something like that. Yeah, yeah he did. He's Dude, you know what the you know what the uh, exotic prop bets for him having the highest vertical? What, oh, I'm sure that they're like low. Fifty thousand. Yeah, cow. yeah, that's crazy. Um, but yeah, no, I mean he's been great. Miritich has hit big shots tonight. Lopez has been pretty good all series. Um, he had some big shots down the uh, down the stretch, and even though Giannis hasn't played great or shot good from the field tonight, I'm I'm pretty much all in on him. Um, like I've said, as, as a, like a playoff player, I know I said that for the regular season, but as a as like a true crunch time performer, still not. I'm, I don't know. Like I still don't looking forwards trust like Bledsoe and Lopez and to a lesser degree Middleton yet like Middleton had a pretty rocky game one aside from the great defensive plays at the end so I I don't know I I still feel that's why I still feel pretty good about Golden State he has the problem of having to guard Kawhi on one end 
And I think yeah, that they I mean, did that. They said, hey, we'll carry you on the offensive end, and if you carry us on the defensive end. Right, but that could be that could be Clay or KD next series. Yeah, that's I mean, true. that's true. Um, KD, I, to be honest with you, um, I can't remember who it was, but somebody recently came out and said Kawhi was the strongest person in the league. Not true. That is much more exhausting guarding someone like that than it was than it um, would be guarding KD. Yeah, I think Kawhi's much stronger than KD, 100%. Like, he's no going to be more it. physical with you. And he's got him yeah. on the size factor, no doubt about it. I mean, he's way thicker than KD is. Now, one thing that Clay and Steph do is they move without the ball so much, no running into the ground on the other side, on the offensive end of the court. Like, that's going to be a big deal, and that's exhausting. But I think that Milwaukee does such a good job at playing this big team defense that I think that you're not going to see a one person chasing Steph and Clay around the court, at least in game one and two, I think they're going to build a pseudo zone that ha- that lets them try and – you can try and find the gaps in the zone, but they're not going to be on the three-point line. That's what I would do if I was Milwaukee, especially since these guys have shown me all year long that they can do such a good job of defensively adapting and defensively changing their ga- game plan. Dude, that's so, so funny. I actually wrote that down. Like, that's the only thing that I think gives them a chance next series is that they – can change their game plan from game uh, their defensive game plan from game to game, and they have the athletes and the system to make it work. Yeah, like yeah. we watched in the Boston series in Game One, they played that drop or they played that drop defense or the drop pick and roll defense, and Kyrie torched them. Right, they switched it immediately, switching, and it was four gamed them right after that. Yep. You know. Yep. So I think the the difference in the game, first two games I wrote this down was so Ibaka Green and Siakam, which are kind of the probably two, three, and four scoring options for Toronto, average 16.3 points per game. Okay. Like that's got to be like 35 or 40 at least. And I, yeah, that's gotta I don't, be I don't have higher. today's in front of me, but I know Siakam's having a pretty good game from what I've seen so far. So I know that number's a little bit higher, but those guys really disappointed me. And that that's why I'm rooting for Toronto. Like I'm rooting for them because I picked them and I want to be right against you guys because I've just been dogging Milwaukee all year. Yeah, uh, you've I'm, been shitting on Giannis all year. Dude, I'm – no, but I, I gave him the credit at the end. I bought it. I'm bought in on Giannis. I really am. But I'm just digging this, uh, digging these six feet really, really slowly throughout these playoffs. But the reason I really like Toronto is because nobody is really stepping up besides uh, Kawhi, and it feels more like an old school like MJ era team where it's just one superstar. You can make that argument for Milwaukee, but I mean Chris Middleton apparently is an all star. I'm being told he is. Uh, even though I don't see it, so I really—that's uh, why I really like. Yeah. He doesn't look really great tonight. In this game, he definitely doesn't look great. I mean, he's two for ten, one 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 of five from three point range. Although I said I said I'd max Siakam in like middle of last series, and he's just been trash since then. He's having a good night tonight, but I guess both these teams have a little bit of that vibe where it's just one true like superstar, which I kind of like. I kind of like that. Okay. Yeah, it's really different superstar. Like Kawhi is the like everybody's made this comparison, but he looks like Jordan out there. He does. He's like taking the mid range shots. He's taking Tough the mid range jumpers, shots. playing D. Giannis looks like an improved Shaq that runs the floor super well, passes the ball super. I don't think we've ever seen. No, a he's like Giannis. He's like Shaq and LeBron, bro. Like that's really what he's like. That's the best comp you could do. Yeah, is it's he's true. like Shaq in the post, but LeBron in the open court. Yeah, but longer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I've never seen a player like Giannis, and it's it's like every single skill that you want in a person now, except for shooting threes, like Giannis has it, and then some, you know? 
Yep. But um, he's he's a unique player. He's like we've talked about it before. I think he genuinely has a chance to be the greatest of all time. Um, we'll see how it goes. But dude, if I before this year, if I said you can take one of these two players on your team, both for three million dollars a year, who would you take, Mark Gasol or Brooke Lopez? What would you have said to me? Probably, I probably would have said Mark Gasol. I mean. Yeah, I probably would have said this. And Marcus Gasol makes like twenty six million, doesn't he, or twenty four million? Yeah, I would have definitely said Marcus Gasol. Like Brooke I would Lopez have said no three million. That's a, three million. He's gonna yeah. get more than that next year because that's a one year deal, right? I mean, that's that's a one year deal, and they they yeah. sign him off like the waiver. They picked him off off the waivers, right? Okay, he'll so probably, he'll probably get a decent deal next year. Yeah, um, but he and I said this to you before the series was. I had a genuine problem for coming into the series, Gasol being played off the court because Gasol, like he's a, he's always been a great, great defender. But the reason why he's a great defender is because he sits, sits in the paint. And then when you have people cutting through the paint, he knocks them on their ass every single time you cut through the paint. Yep. And right. He's great at moving his feet, but you can't do that because you have Lopez sitting out there that can shoot from 33 feet. Yeah. You know? he, he can't be the physical player that he is that far away from the basket. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, and then the fact that like you have this seven foot two guy who can just rain threes on you. And then if you close out to him, he can literally put the ball on the court and somehow does Euro steps as a seven foot two guy and lays it off the, off the rim. It's super slow, but it's effective. Um, like he's been like that game one, he carried them to that win. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he really did. But dude, game one, I mean, let, let's talk about that. Was that not the most ironic thing ever? And Kyle Lowry was the only person to make a field goal. Like the guy that I have no faith in in the playoffs. Like you can buy his stock for a penny for the playoffs. Yeah. And he goes, I mean, seven for eight for three in that game. And he had like seven or eight field goals in the fourth quarter. Team had zero. They absolutely should have won that game. They pissed it away. Middleton made some good plays at the end uh, defensively. And Lopez hit, hit some big shots, but there's no way on earth Toronto should have lost that game. Yeah, he shot 77%, no. 78% from the three-point line, Jesus. 67% from the field, and had 30 points on 15 shots. The, man. What more can one, you do? <laughs> the yeah. problem with game one was look at Siakam, Ibaka, and Green. Read me their points, and it's like it's going to be terrible. Those are the, the guys that couldn't step up and support Kawhi. Right. Yeah, Ibaka had four. Uh, Siakam, not horrible, except for that he shot 30% from the field, but he had 15. Okay. 30% from the field and 22% from the three-point line, so you definitely have to be more f- efficient from that, especially if you're named Pascal Siakam and he's been the efficiency guru for the exactly. entire you know? The entire so, series so it, far. And yeah, what did Danny Green year. have? Danny Green had six on five shots. Okay, so you're giving me – 25 points from those three players like that's not enough to help Kawhi. no yeah that's and, not really enough to help support. kyle lowry in this game because kyle lowry is the best player on toronto that night yeah really the question is it's not enough to help kyle lowry on that t- that night because Kawhi yeah. had 31 but it was on 26 shots Very and that's like that's like what chris middleton does is like he's not showing up on the offensive end but dude 31 on 26 shots for Kawhi leonard who has been just He's fatigued. This entire he's fatigued. Season. There's just no doubt about it. And it's not an excuse. It just is what it is. I mean, he's like, been- I, I believe that's why he's – I mean, if you watch tonight's game, I don't know what his percentage is tonight, but it's bad. I've been watching this entire second half while we're talking here, and he's leaving everything short because he just doesn't have his legs under him. Yeah, I'm trying not to watch it because I'm going to scream. But uh- He is seven for uh, – on seven, he's seven for 17, two of three from three-point range, and eight of nine field uh, 
three throws made. So not a great night for him. He's like I mean, seven for two for three on threes and eight for nine from free throws. Great, but seven for seventeen. Seven for seventeen. You know, forty four percent or so, forty one percent. It's not great. He's a plus six on the court right now, as far as plus minus goes. So it's not awesome. And they're what? They're up about six, aren't they? The hell of it is, he's still got twenty four (laughs) points. Yeah. Yeah. So, game's almost over though. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. This is this is really coming down. These are this game and game one were really both pretty fun games, though. Um no doubt. Uh, let's talk about this. I know you guys didn't see it at halftime today when Chuck and them were talking about it, but I know you've seen it when they show the slow motion of Giannis doing his Euro step. And for our listeners, he does it so quickly because he's so lengthy and quick with the ball for his size, and he'll He'll dribble, and then as soon as he picks it up with one hand, before he puts his second hand on it, he'll take a step, and that's considered his gather or pivot foot, and then take two additional steps from there. And my yeah. question really is, do you, have, do you have an issue with that, guys? And, Justin, you kind of alluded to it earlier. Is it good for the game moving forwards, or is it not an issue? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely trying to slant it to where it's more offensive-driven and you're more buckets and more scoring. So, I mean, you get that. That's why guys like Kawhi Leonard are such a rare breed now because they play an old-school defensive-type game. And I just, you got to wonder, like, don't you need more of that in the league, too? You don't just need Steph after Steph after Steph. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But I don't know. I guess it's it's hard. I told, I told Josh this. I mean, it's I've never seen somebody that looks, it looks like a legit no-call in real time like it looks like it takes two steps yeah. it's like a great move but then you see it in slow motion it's like no that's that's definitely three steps and it's like i mean I, and i don't i hate when the game gets slowed up with too many calls and i know you got to let the stars play but yeah it dude, that's a huge advantage for him because of how much ground he can cover with one fucking giant step that's there yeah really true i i have um i think that people get get caught into counting steps too much. Um, so the, the real definition of a travel is if I establish a pivot foot, so a foot that, and what I do to establish a pivot foot is I have one foot on the ground while I pick the other foot up. Then that has to be my pivot foot. If I then at any time pick that foot up and then put it back down without dribbling, that's a travel. So for instance, I can be in the post, I can have my right foot on the ground and I can take five billion steps with my left foot as long as I never put my right foot up. Right. Right. So what you see is when people are running and they're dribbling and you'll see people will arbitrarily count out these steps and put like one, two, three, four, five on, on the video, but you never really know when they first established a pivot foot. That's up to the referee as to when you actually take control of the ball and kill your dribble. Right. So if Giannis is running, I wish I could, show our listeners somehow, but if Giannis is running and he takes his last dribble and he still has his hand over the top of the ball. And then when, when do you establish that 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 was his last dribble when he turns the ball over in his hands, when he touches it with two hands or when he picks it up kind of on the side of his hand, because that's the point when he has to establish the pivot foot. So the reason why Giannis can take these one dribble, like fly down the court, uh, um, non-travels is because he can take one dribble and then take two or three steps while the ball's coming back up to his hand that are super long and then kill his dribble and then take two more steps. So it's kind of, it's really hard to tell. I generally, when I'm watching, when I'm watching people say, was this a travel? I genuinely say no, because it all depends on when the ref actually says 
this person killed their dribble or when they didn't, right? Yeah. And I do think, I think it's less of a travel than some of the, th- some of the shenanigans we've seen from James Harden this year. No, Definitely no. less of a travel than that. Yeah. And, and I think Justin hit the nail on the head in, in that the NBA is calling less and less things um, travels because they want more offense. So they're just saying, ah, he didn't quite kill his dribble then. Right. You know? so. Exactly. And I get that. I understand that to a point. But, I mean, it, we're going to have to do some more talking this summer about things that they could do to make to kind of bring things back to the middle a little bit. Because I think there's some – I've got a few ideas I think could help change that a little bit. Yeah, averaging 110 points a game over the uh, over the season is pretty high for me. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Wow, this game 96-96, two seconds left. The uh, Milwaukee just got a crazy putback, easy putback. Two good possessions down the stretch defensively for Toronto. This one, Middleton gets blocked initially at the rim by Green. And it just comes like right back down to him, and he gets a layup. But pretty good. Still don't love. I still don't love Middleton as a max guy from some of the. I don't know. I've just seen. He had, a three, is, he had a three here that I didn't like, and I just – because I know Dallas is eyeing him, and this is just personal and not really about this series, but I just wouldn't give Middleton four for 125. That was a max-worthy layup, Kyle. That was – I mean, at no point was his hand like more than nine feet and six inches in the air. <laughs> <laughs> that might have got swatted at L.A. Oh, let's get one thing straight, too. If, if you or I make that move that Giannis does – it, one, it's going to be much slower and cover less ground at LA Fitness. A thousand out of a thousand times, I'm getting called to travel and someone's stealing the ball and walking the other way up the court. Yeah, the thing that sucks yeah. too is like these people at LA Fitness don't know what actual like they don't know whether it's a travel or not. And you can't just be like, let me go get the NBA handbook. Like, no, you know the definition? Not, <laughs> I know exactly. You can't argue that because then people are just like, oh, dude, shut up, you know. <laughs> so, uh, no, yeah, I feel you. I I need NBA refs out there when I'm playing. That's what I. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, but I, Chris Middleton is a poor man's clay. Like I'm okay with. I agree with that. I would, I would, I would make that comparison him, for months. Honestly, here's a bad, here's a bad take, but I wholeheartedly mean it. I would pay Kemba on Dallas before Middleton, and he's so much worse of a fit. Yeah, that's. Did uh, we really just get a Siakam 25 footer for the game winner? He didn't even hit the rim. Yeah, well, didn't right work. off the backboard. Didn't Are you matter. serious? Yeah. You need to really be watching this and not doing the game cast, Josh. Yeah. So they just, they didn't even th- call the play for Kawhi because he is not healthy and they just throw it up to Siakam. Oh, dude, he's 20. Yeah, he's 27 Did feet he away. It? Dude, it was just clank off. It was, it didn't even hit this the is, square. This is terrible radio, boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, so let's, let's assume that, uh, what are your, are you changing your opinions on this series? Either you guys from what you originally came up with. No. I mean, yeah, Toronto and seven. I don't feel great about that. <laughs> yeah, going yeah, that into this OT, awesome. going into this OT is rough too. So I mean, it's gonna it's gonna depend what happens here tonight. Uh, you know, I trust Toronto to not get swept, but yeah, I think Milwaukee is just the better team for all the reasons we said, mostly the depth. And you know, even even though I want to see Toronto win, Milwaukee and Golden State at the end of the day is going to give us the best matchup and the most entertainment for next series. And it's going to be fun seeing Giannis versus that team. For sure. Yeah, I'm excited to see how – honestly, I'm excited to see how the Warriors play him. Because, dude, like we talked pre- previously about where Steve Kerr is. I think that he might be the best coach in the league, um, genuinely. And he – there are very few coaches that are specialists in offense and defense. And Kerr has built the best offense in the league and also the best defense in the league. Um, 
well, one of the best defenses in the league, but like he just does such a great job everywhere. I'm because you can't play Giannis one on one, and he has those. They're going to be playing the pseudo Warriors, and I'm I'm excited to see how they play against that. You can't play Giannis one on one, and he has such great passing ability that he can kick out and hit three point shooters, and they knock down their threes. Yeah. So this 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 is going to be the most exciting finals I think since since well, Cleveland won. It could be career defining for Giannis too if somehow Giannis is able to pull it off. Like for him to be what 23, 24? Yeah. And kind of you know change the trajectory of that dynasty maybe. Yeah, and it's also going to be big so is Middleton going to come back is a big, big question. Right, right. Like, how far do they go? Does that mean Giannis stays there? Does Middleton come back? It's – like, there's a lot in the balance for the Milwaukee franchise because they could easily lose Middleton this offseason. And, I mean, I know I know they've put a great team around Giannis. I think the GM's done everything that he can. But Giannis may not want to stay in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's just the fact of the matter. And we've talked about it before. I think Justin is of that mindset as well. I yeah. could at the definitely same time, see it happening. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Justin. I was going to say I could definitely see it happening, a situation where he may not stay there. But I could, I, my gut feeling is that he does stay there. The super if they, win a, if they win a ring, I mean. Yeah. But, I mean, even if they get close, they're a damn good team no matter what happens here. Oh, they're yep. a crazy good team, yeah. I, I would love to see him stay in Milwaukee. Kyle Lowry's out for the uh, for the game, too. Um, that's tough. That I would love to see him. Because of his hand. Fouls. Uh, I would love to see him. Stay in Milwaukee, and I keep falling back on in my mind. Milwaukee's got to be better than Cameroon, right? So, <laughs> Certainly, isn't that where he's from? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like he's probably not one of these LR guys. Uh, Who, Giannis? Yeah. Oh no, yeah, Giannis he does. Is, no, he doesn't Giannis like the West Coast. Cameroon. He's from uh, the Joel Embiid's from Cameroon. Yeah, Greece, you're right. You're right. That's why he's, That's, he's the Cameroon freak. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, God dang it! That's so stupid. I hate when I do that. Um, no, it's amazing though because you clearly know more about basketball than almost anybody I know, and more than me. But I love those moments where I'm like, I got this is a pretty layup right here. <laughs> I'm about to fry this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. uh, Bill Russell and Larry Bird were played together and played out of their minds together. That was my favorite um, thing you've ever said. Oh my gosh, that was so embarrassing. I almost didn't listen to that episode to critique myself. I, I spent I, a significant amount of time that night trying to design a T-shirt that had those two on it together. <laughs> I listen to all of our episodes to like make myself better and see what I could have done better. Sure. And then also to laugh at y'all's jokes. Um, cause I don't always catch them in the moment, but on that one, I was like, dude, I don't know if I even want to listen to this. I might just delete it. <laughs> Feels like another moment where I could say, if you want to critique yourself and get better, stop picking against golden state. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Still doing it. Milwaukee and uh, six on that. And the finals. I like that. No. Josh is the contrarian. That's what I've decided. It's great. You, you need a contrarian, right? You need yeah. – there always has to be somebody wrong in the Skip and Stephen A. Generally, they're both wrong, but at least one of them has to be wrong every time. Does that make me uh, – who's the – Molly? Is that the yeah. – the, <laughs> the, um, I know, they've had a couple of them. They've had a couple of them. But, all right, guys. Well, I guess we'll see where the uh, this OT takes us. Obviously, pivotal game three. It's going to absolutely decide if Toronto even has a, a fighting chance in the series. Yeah, I can't wait to see what happens. I guess we'll be back probably later on in the week to kind of recap everything once it wraps up, right? Yeah, yeah we'll try to sure. get back middle or later into the week um, when we're running down these series, and maybe we'll have a preview uh, for the finals ready to go. Right on. See you guys next, later this week. All right, later, guys. See you guys.